0: This is the Ridge Hunter Outdoors Podcast What's up everybody, this is episode 64 Today I got a couple things I want to talk about Kind of a short update on where we're at with everything And then we'll get into kind of a follow-up to what me and Nate talked about on the last episode. But before that, I want to apologize for this being a couple days late. Things kind of got a little busy this weekend, busier than I expected. So, And then the last couple days, kind of the same way. So I wanted to still get one out, though, even though, like I said, you know, it's a couple days late. We normally do them on Mondays. But I wanted to go ahead and get something out. That way it's, you know, staying at least we got one a week coming out for you guys that are looking for it, but the first thing i to talk about is the Iowa Deer Classic. It's coming up the beginning of next month, so it'll be the 3rd through the 5th. That's at the Iowa Event Center. We're going to be back there. It's official now this year. We're going to be, I'm not sure of a booth number, but right now we're going to be in the upper level by the antler displays and the seminar. So if you guys are there, that's something you definitely want to check out anyway. That was one of the most interesting things I thought from last year. I know the other guys would probably say the same thing as far as their big buck contest and the Deer Hall of Fame and the sheds and all that. There were some massive deer up there that you got to go check out. So we'll be up there by those, and they got some great seminars. Some big-name guys are going to do some seminars up there. We'll be in that area. If you're going to go look at those, stop by and see us. We'll have a booth there. Going to be doing some stuff all that I'll announce later. I've got a couple, few ideas that I don't know which ones we're going to go with or which ones we're not. So I won't talk too much about what we'll have going on yet, when we get all that stuff set in stone, then I'll talk about it on here. But that's where we'll be up there by the antler displays and seminars. We will get around the lower levels and mingle, mingle around a little bit too, see some of you guys, uh, see some of the other guys at the booths that we know, talk to them. Really, it'll probably be good for us, a good location for us. I think we'll still get to see a lot of you guys up there because you'll be, like I said, that's definitely something you want to go look at is the antler displays, even if you don't want to go to a seminar. So we'll still get to talk to a lot of people, hopefully meet a lot of you guys. And then we'll also probably try to do another on-site podcast. So I think that'll be a little bit, at least last year was a little bit quieter up there and that'll lend itself to a better atmosphere for recording. So I think that'll be good. We'll be able to have a little bit less noise in the background, which I think was fine from last year, but it'll just be even, even better this year. We're really looking forward to that. It was a great show. Always is a great show. This will be our second year up there. I drug my feet, obviously, a little too much to get a booth where we were last year down in the main level. Next year, I'll try to get back on that. Just stuff happens, and sometimes you get behind on things, obviously. uh, Look at where this podcast is coming out on Wednesday. That'll be good, though, that we did get a booth up there. Uh, It'll be cool to do something different, and like I said, I think it'll be pretty good for us, especially being a podcast, being able to be up there where it's a little quieter. So... That was kind of the update I wanted to give you guys as far as that goes. I talked about on the last episode that I just fully did an update on, maybe doing the Deer and Turkey Expo this year. However, I haven't seen anything on that. I talked to a guy last year at the Deer and Beer Fest, and he mentioned that they had it last year, and it went really well, but I cannot find any information on it as far as where they're having it this year, if they're even having it. So I'm looking into the Deer Illinois Deer Classic a little bit, That's at the, I think, believe that's in April. So we'll have to see where that falls, if we want to go to that or not. And then that'll be probably the last show that we would do until the deer and beer fest again. So, but we're definitely doing Iowa We'll hopefully see you guys up there We'll we'll keep mentioning that here over the next few weeks, few episodes. So you guys don't forget about us. And if I do get a specific booth number, I'll let you guys know, but I don't think we'll be that hard to find up there on the upper level. So that aside, now I want to get into what I wanted to talk about this week for really a bigger part of the podcast. And it's a follow-up to last week, what me and Nate talked about, not the ethics part, but the deer population part. If you guys didn't go back and listen to that one, we had a pretty good conversation on the ethics part of it based on a video we saw. And then we did talk about the NDA's recent findings on deer population. We kind of went over some of the issues with overpopulation and where the numbers are getting, and especially the doe harvest being, I believe it was less than the buck harvest this year, which was the first time in a while, and what kind of issues that could lead to, and I'll talk about some of those at the end of this again, but we didn't really offer a ton of solutions yet, and I think it's because we just kind of fell into that conversation about, about the overpopulation, so I had not had a lot of time to sit down and talk about it or think about it, but I'm not one to complain about something without offering solutions for it, at least most of the time. So, I want—I come up with a few that I think could be helpful. And as I mentioned on the last podcast, I would love to sit down with somebody and talk about these things—somebody within the DNR or lawmakers who you know actually have influence over this kind of stuff—and just talk about what we could do better uh, as a state on the state level. Obviously, we did talk last week about what we can do better on an individual level because that's where it does start. There's a lot we can control as individual property owners, uh, managers, deer hunters, even if you're hunting on permission property. If you can't do anything with the ground habitat wise, you can still help manage the deer population and the deer herd by you know, your selective harvest of, of antlered deer by harvesting the correct number of does for your area, all that kind of stuff. But this is some stuff that would be on the state level that I think Illinois could do better. Just some ideas. I haven't sat down and really gone through them and wrote anything out, anything huge. So these are some ideas I had, though, that I think would definitely be beneficial. Uh, Obviously, one of them that we did mention last week would be reopening that antlerless only season at the end of the year. At this point, I'm not sure what their reasoning is for not having it in all the counties. I think it has something to do with the CWD. That's the season they call it now. So maybe the counties that have had some CWD, they open it in other counties they don't. And I'm not sure why they ever closed it in, in the counties that don't have it now. And we're at the point where we have enough does that we could sustain that final season that actually would be beneficial in my opinion. So the first like obvious one that I think everybody would think about would be opening that last weekend up for firearm antlerless only season again. Obviously, you're probably going to have some bucks that are killed in that season, whether it be just spike bucks that don't qualify as antler deer or even some that have already shed their antlers, but still a huge majority of those harvests are going to be does. So that would be beneficial there. Another one that I had, which I think would be interesting. And obviously there's, there's pros and cons to all of these, but I'm just kind of uh, throwing out there some ideas I had. I wish someone else was in here to talk about it with me. Maybe we'll talk about it again at some point, but and that's another thing. If you guys have any ideas or thoughts on this, feel free to shoot us a message through Facebook or our email, outdoors at gmail.com or even through the website, anything on these or leave a comment if you're listening on YouTube. But another one I had was opening up the bow season earlier. So in our neighboring states, Kentucky, I believe it's September 15th. Missouri, I know is September 15th. I'm not 100% sure about Indiana. Iowa, I believe it's still October. But if we open that season up, two weeks a week earlier, whether it be the 15th of September or the the last week of September, just give another week of bow season. I think that would lend itself to more doe harvest as well. And it would give us an opportunity to harvest, you know, a velvet buck. A lot of guys, that's kind of on their bucket list of hunting, and it's not really common here in Illinois just because our season doesn't open until October. So that would be a, kind of a fringe benefit of that as well. But as far as the doe harvest, obviously they're easier to pattern. The does are still out. They're really active that time of year on their summer patterns in the daylight. So you can get out there and it'd be a lot easier to harvest them. The weather is generally a lot more mild at that time of year. It's hot even still some days. Um, We see that in October. So definitely in September, but you get more youth out there. I think uh, whether that be the crossbow or compound bow out there hunting and, you know, harvesting some does or even some bucks, but, really what I'm focusing on is kind of ways to increase the the antlerless harvest to help balance out the population. So that was another thought that I had. I think a lot more does would be harvested in those two weeks. Maybe not a lot more, but obviously that would open it up for more does to be harvested. And I think it would be more does than bucks at that period of, at that time of year. So the next one I had kind of is along those same lines, but it's moving the gun season back to December. And a lot of guys are going to balk at that because gun season, the only time they get to hunt, and it's the best chance they have at killing a buck, and I understand that. But a lot of states do it where it's not right in the middle of the rut. And I think that is a big reason why the buck harvest is up so much is because that the first gun season especially falls right in the middle, right around the lockdown period, which is also not real healthy because it keeps those deer running an extra few days when maybe they would be locked down breeding the does because there's so much pressure around here during that gun weekend, but there's a lot more bucks on their feet as well. Obviously that's during the rut. So if it's not right in the middle of that lockdown phase, if it's right before, right after there's a lot of bucks up on their feet. And when you've got a rifle now or a muzzle loader or even a good shotgun, you can reach out there and get them your, your range is a lot better. Accuracy is a lot better than with a compound bow or even a crossbow a lot of times. So a lot easier to kill them than with a bow. I'm just not saying it's easy to kill them still, but it is easier than with a bow. And there's a lot more opportunity to kill bucks at that time of year. So I think those things combined is a big reason why we see the buck harvest go up because it's just, it's really a, the time of year where the bucks are up on their feet during the rut and there's a lot more guys out there hunting, and they have a lot better range, a lot better accuracy. So they're a lot more deadly with those weapons than they would be with a bow. And we see a lot of bucks get killed. We've talked about it from the last two years. We've seen a lot of bucks get killed during the gun season. So I think you could push it back to leave. Maybe the first one could be that, that weekend in December, that first weekend in December. Run it from Thursday to Sunday. If you still wanted to do seven days, and then put the next one the next weekend from Friday to Sunday. That would give the deer monday through thursday to calm down a little bit and then back at it friday through sunday that still gives you your seven days there's not going to be as many bucks up around cruising on their feet there's still going to be some activity so it still gives you a good chance and obviously with the hunting pressure that we're going to have you're going to have deer running around anyway but i do think at that time of year you're going to see more doze harvest than you would bucks maybe not overall but you're still going to see the number of does harvest with firearms go up. I believe if you move that season back outside of the middle of the rut, I think that's just, that's not real, real good for raising the number of does harvested, which I think is our, one of our big issues that we're seeing right now. Another way I think you could do it and all these could be combined as well. I think if you did two or three of these or all four of them, this is kind of the last one I've got. If you, if you put these together, then you're really going to see some benefit. But the last one I've got is restructuring the permit system. And I would do that similar to what Iowa does. And I'm not hundred percent clear on how they do everything. If I had the regulations book, maybe I could figure it out a little bit easier, but just doing some Google searches and stuff, it kind of seems a little bit confusing But I'm sure someone from up there could explain it better than I could, so I'm not even going to try. I just know this is somewhat similar. And in my opinion, this would be a beneficial way to do it. Give one buck permit with a bow, so one archery permit for a buck, one firearms permit for a buck, so you have a potential for two buck tags there. And then maybe give one landowner buck tag as well. So if you own land and you hunt with a bow and a gun, you would have the potential to kill three bucks. And I believe that is like Iowa. And I know from reading about some guys up there, that's very rare that they do even fill all three of those tags. It does happen occasionally. But even still, I think you're going to see a lot more like it is right now where those landowners who get that third tag, maybe they kill two bucks instead of three. But right now, anybody can, in Illinois can kill two bucks anyway. So, the guys that are only bow hunting or only gun hunting, they're going to be limited to that one buck, which would be the benefit there. And then, I think you leave the doe tags, just you can get as many of those as you want. So, you're going to see more guys that are out there, I think, meat hunting. They're going to kill more does rather than those small bucks. Or guys that are out there, they want to kill a nice buck, but they're kind of somewhere in the middle, They're probably going to save that buck tag for a bigger one instead of killing the younger bucks. And then maybe they kill a doe instead of killing that two and a half, three-year-old buck. So this would not only benefit the population in general, but the quality of the deer herd as well, which I think is another one of those kind of outside benefits that just goes hand in hand with it. Again, no limit on doe tags. I think we just until it becomes an issue where the population is getting way down, which I don't see happening anytime soon. I don't think you have to put a limit on the doe tags. And then for non-residents, same thing, no limit on doe tags, but I would limit that to one buck tag. I don't think we need to go to a drawing system, but the price is pretty steep anyway, so I think that's a deterrent enough for a lot of people. But I think one tag for a non-resident would be fair, they can come kill, because a lot of the those guys that are paying that money anyway are just coming to kill a trophy buck. So if you give them that one tag, which is probably what most of them are only harvesting anyway, is just one buck a year, give them that one tag, let them come do their trophy hunt and then kill a doe or two. I think that would be a good thing as well for the population and for the quality of deer. So those are some ideas I had. And obviously, if you're a non-resident who owns land in Illinois, you would have access to a second permit as well. So there, there's that aspect of it. But Those are some ways that I think some solutions to kind of the problems we talked about last week. And all that's important because of those things we talked about. Uh, the overpopulation can lead to a number of problems. Lack of food could kill them. So I know we've mentioned it several times in the past. Deer will eat themselves to death. And I don't mean that as they'll just eat and eat and eat until they die. They will eat and eat and eat until everything's gone, and then they'll die of starvation. So they don't understand rationing like a human does. They don't have that cognitive ability. So they're just going to eat what's available until there's nothing left. And the more deer you have, the less you're going to have to go around. So you're going to have issues with that, and then you're going to have dead deer lying everywhere. And that could become a huge problem. Another one would be the spread of disease like CWD. And we haven't had a huge problem with that down there, down here in downstate Illinois. But it could definitely become one if we get more and more deer. Uh, that does spread from deer to deer through saliva. Uh, part of it is some of the biggest spread of CWD right now, at least according to the NDA, is deer farms. So when they're traveling, taking deer from one part of the country to another, they're spreading, if they're infected with CWD, all the contact points those deer have on on their way to and from their destinations, uh, in trailers and whatnot from farm to farm, that's going to cause a lot of issues. And then the, like the spinal cord and stuff, all that that's left over after you harvested here, rain matter. If you're taking that stuff from one area to another, that's another big way it spreads. That's why you're not allowed to take that stuff across state lines. A lot of times is to control CWD and why it, they take that stuff so seriously is because there is no known cure for CWD, and when a deer gets it, it dies. There is no surviving it. Once a deer has it, it's a death sentence. It's not like EHD where a deer could get like a mild case of it or even a bad one and still pull out of it. Now, EHD also obviously kills a lot of deer, and it kills deer every year, but deer can come through that, and then they build up immunity to it on a certain level. So a lot of times in the South, they have EHD every year in the South, in many places, just because it gets so dry. But once the deer go through it, they're less susceptible to die from it the next year. So they could even have a case of it two years in a row, and still for that third year, they're going to be in better shape than they were the first one. So with CWD, it's not like that, though. Once a deer gets it, they're going to die. Obviously, before they do, they have that window of transmitting it to other deer. And the more deer we have in an area obviously the more likely that is to spread and then you can see how that snowballs from there from one deer to two deer from two deer to four deer four to eight that kind of thing and then it spreads geographically as well because if we've got more deer they're going to have to spread out to find that food so maybe that closes the gap between whatever's keeping it from being down here if we get more deer populated in the middle of the state and then it just kind of works its way down Works its way across state lines. That could be a huge issue with overpopulation. And then we're going to be back to where we were in like 2013 when the deer population was way down after that big EHD hit. Only with the CWD, it could continue to get worse and worse and worse. So that's something we really got to be careful of. That's why we talk about this stuff. Those are the reasons why it's important that we do have some kind of control over the population instead of just letting it run rampant as deer hunters other problems though even not as hunters uh, is the amount of crop damage that deer can cause if you talk to any of the farmers even if you're just hunting next fall and you're walking down a field edge going into the woods just look at the first few rows of whether it be soybeans or corn whatever it is and see how much damage those deer are doing to it and then even running through the corn later in the year just knocking it down not even necessarily eating it there's a lot of that that happens and that can cause a lot of issues as far as uh, prices of crops and stuff like that. So, that causes issues down the line for everybody when it comes to grocery prices and all that. And then, of course, you're going to have insurance prices that go up because of car accidents with deer. There's a lot more likelihood of that happening in the higher population we get. I know there's certain roads right now that you're just kind of waiting for one to run out in front of you because you can't go, you can't cross a bridge or come through a, a fence line into one other field and not see deer. They're just all over the place. So those are some things that could happen as well. Obviously, there's other ones. But those are even effects that would have on the, the non-hunting population, which is where I think we could get help get the state on board with it. Because even if they don't understand where we're coming from with it, they're going to understand those things and the impact that could have economically on everybody in the state. So those are just some solutions that I had for those issues. If you guys have any more or any comments on any th- anything that I would brought up or any ideas, like I said, feel free to comment or leave us a message. Send us a message through any of our social channels or our website. And any questions you have on any of them or anything that's going on, you can do the same thing with. Again, I'd like to do some more q and I think you guys enjoy those podcasts quite a bit, at least based on the downloads they get. So anytime we can get together enough questions to do one of those episodes, I like to do that. But that's going to pretty much wrap it up for that side of it this week. Now we're kind of on to the business side. As you guys know, we picked up a new partner this year for this podcast and for the Folder Off Fridays, and that is Rodney Hawkins. If you're looking for your own piece of ground to manage and hunt and to practice some of the things we talk about on, he's your guy to talk to. Rodney grew up in southern Illinois hunting and fishing And now he's putting that love for the outdoors into selling recreational properties as a land specialist uh, with Midwest Farm and Land. If you guys haven't heard of them, they're not really your average real estate company. Last year, they sold over $85 million worth of ground. So they really specify, they really specialize, this is the word I was looking for, in recreational properties. They've got agents like Rodney all over Illinois. So they're really a local company with a national reach. For more information on them or any properties that may be available or just talk to Rodney about it, you can call him directly at 618-925-3153 and he'll get you taken care of. He's also recently started his own company called RG Outdoors. They currently carry hard and soft-shell blinds and blind chairs from Reddix Blinds in addition to an all-natural scent elimination product called Camo Dust, which you guys get can get more information on at CamoDust.com. haven't actually used that stuff myself, <clears throat> but if you want more information on it, Either talk to Rodney or go to that website. As for the blinds, Nate spent a lot of time in one of the soft-sided Red X blinds this year. Uh, he was really happy with it. I hunted in it once with him. I thought it was really well constructed. Um, I could see where it would really keep you warm and have some thermal advantages in the late winter season. Uh, he said the setup was pretty easy as well. So, Pretty sweet blinds there. And it's considerably cheaper than the hard sided blinds. But if you're looking for those, they've got those too. So if you're interested in anything that RG Outdoors has to offer, you can send them a message through their Facebook page, which is just at RG Outdoors, or email them at rgoutdoors at yahoo.com. Or you can call Rodney at his number. Again, that's 618 925 3153. Our other partners for the podcast, one of them is Racks Big Game Supplements. If you guys listen to the podcast for a while, you know they're a veteran owned company. They're out of Northeast Nebraska. They're deer hunters, just like us, who were looking to get more out of the mineral and feed market than existed at the time. Uh, They developed their products through years of research, and they came up with one of the best mixes available. That's going to help improve your herd's overall health while not feeding non-target species. So this is something that you can add to your food plot program to help benefit your deer's overall health uh, in your herd. It's going to help with body weight, which is going to translate into antler growth, at least on some level. And they've got minerals, protein blocks, pelletized feed, and meal feed, all specifically designed for whitetails. If you guys want to support us and support your deer herd, go check them out at racksmineral.com, R-A-K-Smineral.com, and use discount code RHO22, all caps, RHO22, at checkout, and you'll get 5% off your entire, order. you can also stop by the shop and see what we've got. I know I have some bags of their their mineral still available in the shop. Finally, Grandpa Ray Outdoors, they specialize in providing the best nutrition for the whitetail deer on your property, starting with the soil. So if you use the New Racks Big Game Supplements and you've got a food plot program put in place, but you weren't really happy with how it turned out last year, uh, maybe you don't know where to start, maybe you're just looking for a new seed company to try because you're tired of the big ones that you get at Walmart <clears throat> and you're looking for high-quality food plot seed and maybe even plant foods, Grandpa Ray Outdoors is who you're going to want to go to. They started in 2015, but John up there has been in the seed and nutrition business since 1991. They've got over 14 different blends. So whether you're looking for corn and beans, spring blends, fall blends, switchgrass, uh, you're not going to have any trouble finding what you're looking for. They've also got some liquid fertilizer and soil test kits. They're not just about selling their products, though. Like I said, if you don't know where to start uh, or you're kind of new to the game or you had some food plots that failed in the past, they're going to answer any questions you have about what blends would be best for your specific property, what maybe issues you might have had in the past. That way you can achieve the best results possible. Or you're going to get the most for your money that way. Like us, John and his team don't believe in a cookie-cutter approach to wildlife nutrition. They're going to treat you and your situation individually. They're also not about a fancy label or package. They're about good quality seed and taking care of their clients, as you can see. We've used their blends on a ton of client properties all over the Midwest, uh, out as far as Kansas and Oklahoma, as far east as Louisville, Kentucky, down south almost to Tennessee. We've really had great results with everything we've used. Obviously, we use them around here, around home on our properties and some client properties around here as well. That's actually why we started partnering with them in the first place, and that's why we're going to continue to use their products. If you want to support us and, again, support your deer health, Get yourself on the right track as far as your food plots go. Go check them out at grandpaoutdoors.com and use the discount code RHO Podcast. That's all lowercase, no space, and get 10% off your entire order there. Other way you guys can support, if you want to support us directly, you can go to RidgeHunterOutdoors.com And anything you find on there, whether it be our food plot blend, which is clover and chicory and some alfalfa mix that we really like, or anything else, you can use the discount code RHOPOD. That's all caps, no space, and you'll get 10 off of anything there. Other ways to support us without even spending any money: go to Apple Review, Apple Podcast, leave us a review there. Once we hit 25 reviews, we're still doing our giveaway. We'll give away a Wild Game Innovations 2.0 Spark 2.0 Trail Camera Package that's worth about 90 bucks. All you got to do is go leave one star, five stars. I don't even know if it makes you type anything out. If it does, just put in contests in the box, whatever you going to want to do. Once we hit 25 of those reviews, we'll give away that trail camera package. And the reason we're doing that is because just by taking that two minutes to leave us a review, that really helps us out, puts us more in the recommended category uh, on Apple podcast when it comes to our, uh, our specific category, outdoor sports, recreation. So, That really helps us. Another way is to follow us on Spotify. And then similar to Apple podcast, the way it helps us in that algorithm. If you guys subscribe to our channel on YouTube, like and comment on any of the videos, that kind of does the same thing there. So if you guys enjoying what we're doing here, and hopefully you are, if you're getting something out of it, we want to continue to make it better for you to continue to get more, more good guests on here, eventually get back to doing the video content and doing that well. Go to to any of our partners or our website, um, and you can support us there, support what we're doing. So that's a good way to show us that you like what we're doing. Uh, and of course you can always send us a message through any of those places that I talked about earlier on any of our social media, anything like that. You can also follow us on their Instagram. I think it's rich hunter outdoors and Facebook Ridge hunter outdoors. If you want to follow us and like us on there, that helps us out as well. So I appreciate you guys tuning in this week. We'll have another one next week. Hopefully I'll have someone else in here with me. Um, uh, but that's going to do it. Hopefully some of those things that I talked about, you guys have some ideas on or some thoughts on, and you can reach out. Um, Hopefully, maybe some of them in the future will get implemented and we'll start to see some benefit from that. But we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in.